This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. You've heard the headlines, now get the rest of the story. You're listening to Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Join in at 974-8255. Out of town, call toll-free 1-800-563-7770 or text 403-974-8255. All right, here we go. Welcome to this hour of the program. It's Rob Breckenridge with you on a Tuesday afternoon. 403-974-TALK is the way to reach us. Got some other news to get to. We will talk hockey after 2.30. Scott Stinson from the National Post. Uh, good, good news story, I think, for Canadian hockey fans. We get five of seven NHL teams in the playoffs this year. It's a big jump from zero last year. We'll get his thoughts uh, on the playoffs and how he thinks those uh, Alberta teams might do. So that's coming up a little bit later on. But off the top in this hour, you know, and sometimes uh, in the office, and we can uh, get talking about things, knock some ideas around, people have opinions on things, and sometimes it can kind of turn into uh, a segment. And it was something that happened in our little neighborhood here, where Course Central is, that got us talking about parking. Uh, one of the streets near our building was uh, previously just an anything-goes kind of street, I guess. Now it's a, it's a two-hour parking. So the question, well, how does that happen? Who, who makes that decision? Is it based on complaints from the public? Is it based on, on a whim? Because obviously, if you go around Calgary, there are some streets you got to pay to park. Some streets you're not allowed to park on unless you're a resident. Some streets are two hours. Others are, hey, park here whenever you want to park here. So producer Andrea Montgomery is pretty fired up about this. And she's been uh, doing some digging on this. And look, here she is. Yeah, so I think that... How are you doing, by the way? <laughs> I'm okay. How's I'm your fired day up. I'm fired up. It's going okay. Should be fired up. Yeah. Well, I think the reason that I'm fired up about this is because, um, you know, it's inconvenient to come to work and you have a, a pretty okay parking spot. You feel you move your car so that you don't feel like you're bothering anyone, you know, try to park in different parts in the neighborhood and to find that now you're at risk of getting a ticket. And like, this is mm-hmm. not my first time dealing with this. I went to university. I went to SAIT. And I'm born and raised in Calgary, so naturally I have my own vehicle. That's just kind of the nature of the way of our personality of our city, right? It's spread out. I only have a few friends that live within walking distance. It's kind of like a, a necessity, I would say, unless you're right on the train line. So I've been kind of dealing with uh, the free parking shenanigans without trying to pay an arm and a leg for many, many years. Um, so yeah, when we were talking about it, I was like, where, well, where do these signs come from? And I had assumed that they were complete, complaint-based, so much like a bylaw, right? Um, they'll only ever put up a sign if there's a complaint. I spoke to uh, the director of Calgary Roads, Troy McLeod, and here's a little bit of what he had to say about it. How is it decided where these new parking signs go? What kind of a process is there behind the scenes? What happens is we look at a street and how busy the street space is related to parking. So if we're in the order of 90% on a, on a period of time, say from 6 in the morning till 9 a.m. or, or uh, 3 in the afternoon till, say, 6 p.m., uh, if that road is full of vehicles, then we look at a different way to manage the space. So um, in some cases, we have a two-hour parking restriction. In other cases, we have paid parking as part of the management tool. Okay, so wait. You are watching these roads, so I imagine you just have kind of surveying type people go out, and if there's a high demand for parking, you add a two-hour parking sign? Correct. So what would happen, say, in a road that has an unrestricted uh, on-street parking, 
vehicles could be there all day and they're parking, um, you know, and not moving and not uh, having any kind of uh, flow as far as turnover. Uh, what we need in these commercial spaces, so if you had a business uh, adjacent to this area uh, and a vehicle is parked there all day, you're not getting the turnover you need to effectively operate the business. So that's how uh, we try to manage the space is to make sure that we accommodate the short-stay parking needs. And then if there is a long-stay demand, so say in a, in a residential area, we wouldn't be putting uh, typically in a suburban area, we wouldn't have parking restrictions unless there was a uh, facility nearby such as a hospital. And if there were, then there'd be parking infiltration from a high-demand generator like a hospital. And we would have parking restrictions. So that kind of just boggled my mind a little bit that the city looks at places and they say, oh, wow, there's a lot of people parking here. We should restrict that because I get the sense with my experience with Calgary parking. First, it's way too expensive. And then they're very heavy handed about where these signs and restrictions go. I did speak to Troy a little bit more about my example of SAIT, because if you have been a SAIT student, you know, the only place to find uh, free parking in a residential area is about three kilometers. You have to walk past North Hill Mall, keep walking. There's a little ice rink over there. And in minus 30, you may as well, like I used to park way past there and then hop on the train just to get to Lion, like from Lionsgate to State St- Station when it was cold out. And it seems to me like these signs just keep going wider and wider out. And in my brain, that doesn't make sense because as a state student, I would park my car while residents were at work. My car wasn't there for longer than six hours, maybe seven hours, maybe a bit longer if I was having a crazy day. But like it does in my brain, the logic is that it's not in anyone's way. I'm not causing a constant problem. So I talked to him a little bit about that balance. And here's what he had to say. No, there's definitely a need to to be able to commute and, and take your vehicle. I think where the balance is, is so if you had a home near state, and, and you had the visitor, but the all the on-street parking was taken up by students, then your visitor would have to be walking a kilometer to get to your home. So what we try to do is strike a balance for, you know, uh, long-stay demand and short-stay demand. And in locations that have parking generators like SAIT, as, as the example you gave, uh, we have a balance. And so there's a, a permit process that that uh, is used for locations like that where residents can apply and uh, have, you know, permit parking on street uh, through a petition, and, and that can help manage that on-street space more effectively. And um, for, for those locations, you know, there's a variety of travel options, especially in a location like that uh, for transit, but for vehicles, there's, there's on-site parking available. And then if you're looking for free parking, there's obviously free parking, but there's a bit of a, a walk associated with it where there's a less demand for parking in the areas. And I don't really mind that walk. Okay, so the summer months are coming um, here near Chorus Center. I understand they've put these two hour signs up because a lot of businesses, you know, there's a lot of people that work in this building. And by having all of our traffic kind of congested around the building, that does make it hard for some of the businesses that would have a higher turnover of customers downstairs. But what it is doing is I'm going to continue driving to work. Okay, so I am going to either end up parking a little bit farther away in front of someone's house on a consistent basis, which might be inconvenient for them, or I'm just going to park illegally and wait for that ticket. Because in my brain, a $40 ticket every six months or so is a lot cheaper than ending up or paying for parking or what the alternative is, is there's a lot of people here, Rob Breckenridge, who run outside and move their car so that like throughout the day so that they can observe these signs and hopefully not get the ticket. So then our question became talking in the office. 
if the if these signs are being put up based on a need, which is put out by a resident or a business saying, hey, there's too much traffic here. Is there a way to reverse complain these signs? So if I owned the store across the street and I was saying, hey, you know, my customers need to be here for longer than two hours. Has the city ever done that? Have they changed that? So here's what Troy had to say. Um, do you know off the top of your head any any times that uh, two-hour parking signs have been put up and then removed because of complaints? Can you remember that ever happening? It, it likely has. I don't know of a location off the top of my head, but certainly we do manage parking and things change as, as sites redevelop. Um, you know, the parking demand changes with the adjacent land uses, so there definitely is you know, uh, a change that occurs depending on what the demand is for an area. So it does change over time, and, and they are revisited uh, when we get a call or if somebody would like us to look at it. We do look at it, and we put them on a priority basis and evaluate each location on its own merit. And do you, do you have to be a, a stakeholder to make a complaint or a call? And by stakeholder, I mean like business owner or resident. Or can you just kind of be anyone and be like, hey, I noticed you did this. Why? Yeah, anyone can contact us. Uh, again, we have criteria that we use to evaluate the location. So it's it's simply really the demand of that street space. And we look at it over different parking periods throughout the day. And if those parking periods see a significant usage, uh, then we may consider some other alternate form of control. So sometimes it's a two-hour parking restriction. Sometimes it's a permit-only uh, area, depending on what is needed for that street space. And then in other cases, we have paid parking. So he says that if you do want to complain, right, you can just call in to 311. Um, I know that Rob kind of had an attitude today when we were talking about this of, of too bad. <laughs> but what do you think? Like, I think that it can be, I know that for me personally, it's like, wah, 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 walk a few blocks. But for students that are paying $30, $40 a day to park and they're just trying to save a few bucks, like, it's difficult. I think the city's heavy handed. But we got to manage supply and demand here. Obviously, we cannot just have free-for-all parking right throughout the entire city. That's just not going to work, right? Absolutely. But I mean, by design, by nature, it's expensive to park downtown. Now, maybe more than it needs to be. But I think the point is, I don't think we could realistically just open it up. So you can just park, come downtown, hang out all day, park for free. There's, you've obviously got to put something in place to temper demand in certain areas. But there needs to be infrastructure. It also wouldn't make sense for everybody to get on the train. Everything would crash if everyone decided to take public transit one day. And as a person that lives a little bit farther out, I think that I should be allowed to drive and park reasonably close to my work without having to pay for it. I think that well, the someone's Cal- got to pay for it. Calgary though. has grown so wide; it's unreasonable to think that people wouldn't drive. Right. I like driving. I, yeah, certainly I think we hear from people who feel as though there's uh, an anti-car attitude at City Hall with the emphasis on cycle tracks and public transit and all of that. Maybe we need more parking, but I think, you know, parking comes at a cost, right? I mean, there, there's no free lunch here, I think is the point. Yeah, it would be nice to just be able to park wherever we want to park, but that's not always going to be the case. I think, like, the neighborhood we're in here at Chorus Center, I mean, it's, it's like a lot of neighborhoods in Calgary where, where things change. And maybe what was once more of a residential area now becomes kind of a mix of, of business and residential. So you're trying to manage that. I, I think there are some businesses here who want to make sure that they've got somewhere where their customers can park and come in and buy something or stay for lunch or coffee. And then you've got the balance of people who live in the neighborhood who want to park and also people who got to come work at these businesses 
who also need to figure out where they're going to park or how they're going to get to work. So I don't know how you balance all of that. I think I think it just needs to be held back. I think that sometimes the city puts up these signs before there's a problem. I know that um, permits for residents, I live in Somerset, kind of near the station. So we don't have a permit on our street, but a couple streets closer to the station, we you do need to have a permit to park there. But how much is it policed? And you know what? Like People park in front of my house and they get on the train and they go to work and it's a good quick little walk for them. I don't mind because they're gone by the time I get home. Right. I think that it's that understanding. If I'm parking my car in front of your house during the day while you're not there and you're not trying to use that spot, who am I hurting? Well, but you don't own the spot. I think that's the other side of the debate and maybe even something that there's some there's mixed messages from the city because they, they act as though they're policing these streets to protect the residents. But you don't own that space in front of your house. And we've been through that debate many times. Because people act like they do. And there have been some circumstances in Calgary where people have gone to extreme lengths to try to assert their ownership of that space in front of your house. You don't own the road in front of your house. So, yeah, it sucks. I guess if you live there and people who work or go to school in the neighborhood are parking there, but it's not your street. You don't own that spot in front of your house. And I think that kind of distorts this debate a little bit because maybe there's that belief. And I think the city's in part acting in a weird way. I mean, the city will be the first to say you don't own that spot in front of your house. But at the same time, they put these signs up to say we want to protect that spot for you in front of your house. I mean, we can't have it both ways. How much money? You know, I probably should have asked, but how much money do you think they make off parking tickets in permitted zones? That would be an interesting question to know, because is it a substantial source of revenue for the city to actually be policing this? Or is the policing kind of costing more? Okay, Andrew, hang on. We're going to take a break here. 403-974-8255. Get some texts and some phone calls we'll get to as well. Here's we talk about how the city of Calgary tries to manage the supply and demand when it comes to parking in this city. We're back after this. All right, welcome back. Afternoons on Newstalk 770. Rob Breckenridge here alongside. We've got producer Andrea Montgomery in studio with us. We're talking about parking in the city of Calgary and what what can often seem like a random and arbitrary approach from the city of Calgary to to assign different designations to different areas. Some streets, anybody can park anytime they want. Others, it's two hour parking. Others, it's paid parking. Others, it's restricted parking. And so at least, you know, getting the city to explain how that works and how they make those decisions. Part of what we're trying to do here. Let's go to the phones. I want to get some phone calls in here. We'll say uh, good afternoon to Ron. Ron, how you doing? Yeah, I, yeah, the city is random at their parking. I mean, there's a new building on 50th and Elbow, uh, Britannia Crossing. There's a pub, a bridal shower center, a dry cleaner gift store, a blind store, and a coffee shop. Mm-hmm. And uh, when the contracts were signed for five or ten year leases, the map showed on-street parking around the perimeter of the building. And a year after the leases were signed, the city came in and put signs up all around it, no parking. So in the meantime, the coffee shop has gone out of business, lasted six months. Uh, without any consultation at all with the building owner or the business owners. And they've been hounding them since that, and they just won't budge on it. Wow. Yeah. yeah so they're not very business-friendly. I mean, they can't just make arbitrary decisions on parking without any consultation and put businesses out. I mean, that coffee shop probably will never be leased the way it stands now. Yeah, there you go. Ron, appreciate the phone call. All right, thank yeah, you. Yeah, that sounds crazy. Okay, let's see what uh, Susan has to say. Susan, go ahead. Hi, Rob. You've got a great topic today. My son attends Crescent Heights School, which is his catchment school. Because he's not in grade 12, he cannot park in the student parking lot. 
Because he does not live in the adjacent neighborhood, we can't get a permit for him to park there while he's attending classes. So we have to pay $110 a month at a Calgary parking lot that's on Center and 16th Avenue. This is so unfair. It's his neighborhood school. So, Susan, um, what would you say if someone said, why doesn't he take the bus? Why isn't he just taking the train? Why does he get to drive to school? Well, he gets to drive to school because he's involved in so many school activities that busing does not accommodate. Interesting. So if he wants to take public transportation to school, he has to be on it at 8.15 and he ha- to get to school, and then he has to be back on the bus by 3.40 to get home. I think that that's the story with a lot of people because personally I avoid taking the train because it just takes so much longer. It adds hours to my day when I could be doing other things. And I think that's a reality of us being such a wide city. And when is he supposed to do his homework? And yes, he is fortunate that he does have a vehicle. But at the same time, it was taking time out of my husband and my day, we work, to drive him to and from school to accommodate the lack of busing. So the the residents of Crescent Heights, I think, should be open to the idea of giving their catchment students the opportunity to park in the neighborhood that their catchment school is located in. Yeah, there you go. Susan, appreciate the phone call. Uh, a couple texts coming in here. Uh, let's see. This one says, the city's policy doesn't work. My fiancé lives by Saint, and it's near impossible to park around there. They have permit streets and limited hour spaces, but it doesn't accomplish the objectives uh, that the guest outlines. There are, there are especially near places like hospitals that are extremely expensive or universities where most students don't have money for outrageous parking fee- fees that free parking is impossible to find because it's been limited by signs. What's your sense, though, Andrea, of what the city's objective is here? Is it to try to discourage as much as possible people from parking? Are we trying to protect certain areas? Or are we trying to protect residents? Are we trying to protect businesses? I don't, I'm not entirely clear, I guess, on what the city's overall objective is and how they deal with this. See, I don't know. And when I asked kind of Troy, when I asked him about that, he said that it was trying to strike a level of balance. Obviously, you can't keep everyone happy. I understand if I live across the street from a a hospital, I'm going to get pretty frustrated if I can't park in front of my house. But I also kind of decided to live across the street from a hospital. And I understand having permits right beside C train stations for that. But at the same token, we do have to consider that this is a city of both commuters and bikers and drivers. And we have to strike a balance for all of the ways of transportation. Otherwise, people are just going to get frustrated. How about this text? says, Rob, listening to your show on parking... We live a block away from Chorus Center. Granted, we do not own the parking in front of our house. However, it comes down to common courtesy. With the increased density, I can never park in front of our home. I need to tell you, parking authority is on our speed dial. We call it every opportunity to report vehicles without a parking pass. Giddy up and use your cycle pass. <laughs> yeah, well, you're about to have a lot more cars as they take away any free spots around here because that's something, right? Now that there's less available free spaces here, the density is going to move out of vehicles. You, we used to all just be focused around Core Center, and yeah, it was a little packed. But slowly but surely, these vehicles are now going to be in more random places around the neighborhood, inconveniencing other residents. That's interesting, too. Someone here says, I live in Sunnyside, and every day I see multiple people parking with the permit and then leaving after work 
uh, never to return until the next day. So it's very easy to get these permits to enable you to park. I didn't know that. I don't know what's involved in getting one of these. That woman who called in said that they tried to get one for her son. Goes to school in Crescent Heights. And someone else, by the way, says a large percentage of the homes around Crescent Heights are multi-million dollar homes. There's no way they'd ever allow high school students to park in front of their houses. Who knows what those high school students are up to? <laughs> no good. Uh, another one here says the parking situation in the city is almost like having a free time taxed by Nenshi. If we aren't willing to sit on public transit for three hours a day, then we must pay. Uh, it is true, by the way, that well, I can't see it from where we're sitting, but there is um, a C train station right next to us here. Did you know that? I, I have used the C train station. Have you? Really? I have indeed. Yes. I when we first moved our building here from downtown, I think that whole summer I used that C train, and you know it wasn't so bad in the summer. But you know what? Okay, I may sound entitled, but I have saved the money to pay for my own car. I have. And I live in a part of the city where I can afford because I'm 28. I can't afford to live here. Right? So I have I've paid the money to afford, afford my own vehicle. So I think I have the right to drive it. Maybe not the right to park it in front of anyone's house. No, we'll I'll park I mean, and we all make, we all make those I'm choices. Going to, I'm going to make that decision, right? Yeah. I, I have a longer commute to work. You know, that's my choice. So I'm not going to sit here and complain that I have to spend X number of dollars on gas every day and, you know, gas should be free. And look, I get it. I get it. I'm the one who chooses to live as far away as I do and to have the drive I do every day, about 30, 35 minutes to get to work. But that's okay. It's all a balance, right, between where you want to live, the lifestyle you want to have, and then where you work. Because it's true. There's, you know, some lovely places around here. We could all, we could all move into the neighborhood if we wanted. Do they have secondary suites near here? <laughs> uh, I don't know. You can open another can of worms here? <laughs> I could open a few. All right. Anyway, no, it's an interesting conversation. Andrea, thanks for stopping, thanks uh, for stopping by here today. It's good to see you. Yeah, I'll see you in uh, like half an hour. <laughs> your show's done. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So there you go. It's at least an interesting question to ask. Regardless of where you come down on this. Are you someone who parks? Are you someone who lives? Are you a business owner? Do you work in the area? How do these decisions get made about what streets are going to be classified as? Because it does seem a little random. All right. When we come back from the 2.30 News, we're going to switch gears. We're going to talk about the NHL playoffs that get underway tomorrow. Uh, you got five Canadian teams this year, including 100% of Alberta's NHL teams in the postseason. Scott Stinson from the National Post joins us in a few minutes. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 12.30 on News Talk 770 Calgary.